season two of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Gaia was recorded on July 27th, 2023. Hello, everyone. My name is Gaia. I am a grateful member of ACA. It's so good to be here with you all. Wow. Since the beginning of this meeting, I believe it's been three years and I have been speaking here once a year. So this is my third time. I hope that during these three years, I have new stories and healing messages to share with you in addition to uh, the previous two times. But before I start uh, sharing, I would like to take a moment of silence and take three deep breaths. And if you would like to join me, you're welcome to. I actually did not prepare a note, which is rare for me. After having been here for 13 years, I believe I should be able to just relax and share what's true for me. So moment of silence. One, two, three. My intention is to be a channel for my higher power to use me to deliver this message of recovery. And I'm so grateful that you all allow me to be of service. So um, I was born in Thailand and I'm the first child of four children. My dad is the one with the drinking problem. My mom, she's been a true martyr. The problem with martyrdom is like extreme. And uh, with four of us, basically we played just the exact, you know, roles that I mentioned uh, in the Red Book. The first child, the rescuer, the hero is me. The second is the lost child. The third, the scapegoat. And the fourth, uh, what is it? The uh, mascot. So, uh, Basically, the reparenting that I received, if I can sum up with one word, it was toxic parenting, um, almost militaristic, very controlling. Um, both of my parents had unrealistically high expectations on all of us. And um, um, my dad, was actually still is emotional 
emotionally abusive and verbally abusive uh, towards all of us kids, especially towards mom. And my mom, she's been so passive. They've been married, well, um, in my, um, let's see, how old I am? Uh, how old am I? I tend to forget. That's a good thing. <laughs> 57. And so they've been married for longer than that, one year longer than that. And um, the message that I heard all the time from my mom was that she stayed because she wanted us to have, you know, like both parents in our home. And yes, I have both parents, but my home, our home was broken, which was the opposite of what she wanted to do. And uh, basically, I was parentified. I played the uh, therapist role for my mom, where she would complain about her husband, who happened to be my dad. And when I asked her, why, why don't you leave him already? She would be angry at me and said, she implied, she never said it outright. She implied that I was ungrateful, that she suffered, she sacrificed for me. So uh, that was the message, and it stuck with me for a very long time. My belief is that I owed her my life, even though my life sucked. I owed her big time. And, uh, you know, I mean, I believe this is pretty much an Asian thing. I don't know, but, um, you know, the filial piety, the belief, you know, from uh, the parents who believe that, um, Children need to pay back. And my uh, my parents, especially my mom, demanded in money form. When you grew up, you know, the message was that you had to do that duty. And I was playing around, playing, a, sorry, playing along, but I was so resentful about that. Anyway, so uh, I was born big you know, like heavy as a newborn. So um, back then, you know, I was bigger than the average baby girls. And so I was labeled fat right away. And I've been heavy all my life. Um, my parents moved from the suburb to Bangkok, just, you know, to uh, bring us up. Uh, far away from their original families and the families of origin. And I believe that my dad's uh, problem with drinking started then. And my mom too, she chose to use food as comfort, you know, like uh, to de-stress, both of them. Um, so, and I believe that part of my, you know, uh, weight, excess weight was from my mom's overeating and I learned to use food as my coping mechanism as well my dad usually would come uh, to pick me up at school late at night and I was the only one of four who somehow needed to do tutoring even though I was straight A student I had to do tutoring after school program. And so it was very late when my dad came pick me up and even later that I had to wait for him. And when he came pick me up, 
he was drunk and he drunk drove me home and I have no vocabulary to say anything. And so when we got home, I just stuffed myself with food and I would just fall asleep even in my school uniform and I would do, you know, like sleepwalking, just like stuffed my feelings. In my teens, I got bullied, you know, teased to say the least about my weight and uh, my young adult, you know, adults would, you know, like comment on my weight. One of my father's friends who happened to be a womanizer, he talked behind my back with my dad. He said, you need to control your daughter's weight. When she grows up, no man would be with her. I was like, what? And sure enough, my parents spoke with me about my weight, but I cried and just got, you know, very angry. Fast forward. In my 20s, most of my ACA, uh, you know, acting out. Uh, when I was younger, in my 20s, um, it would be like, you know, about men, about relationships, about sexuality. And then as I grew older, you know, in my 30s and working and, you know, in my 40s, a lot of the symptoms will come out in work-related uh, situations because when I finished college, actually, let me go back a little, uh, some some years prior to that. I wanted to uh, study art and uh, I was attracted to uh, interior design and I wanted to pursue that. And I went to my parents and they freaked out. My dad got his friends like professor this and that to come. It, it felt like they ganged up on me, just scared tactics and all that's like, no. So I had to make a deal. I had to fight for myself, for my passion, for what I love to be when I grew up and make a deal. Okay, if I pass the exam, let me do it. If I don't, then I would do whatever you want. Like, you know, of course, like to be a doctor, engineer, blah, 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 lawyer, just money oriented kind of, you know, goal. So I got in and finished uh, interior design. And just when I just finished, my dad came to me and said, uncle this and that, you know, his friend just needed help with his house. And I was like, you know, a young adult just finished college and oh, wow, I was excited about being a professional. Mm, I wonder how much I would get paid. How much should I ask for? my dad just went ballistic on me and just said something like, who the F do you think you are? This is my friend. Forget about it. I will let him know you're not capable. And he would not talk to me for weeks, if not months. That's how she, he showed, if you know, uh, mostly he would be verbally abusive towards mom. But with us, cold shouldering and silent treatment was pretty common. And 
sure enough, when I, you know, went to work, I would not like to talk about money and just stay under the radar. So just work, 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 and, you know, just under charge or whatever, whatever you want to give me, I don't want to uh, deal with that part. And uh, like I said, in my 20s, you know, it was about like um, being with men uh, who were not available. One man in particular, I had no right to be with, basically. But um, um, let's see. How come I got? Okay. Um, sorry. Um, I got to view that is acting weird. Okay. So um, where was I? And uh, basically, um, I had problem in every department, you know, food, body image, uh, relationships, romantic or not. Um, it was hard for me to be seen, to be noticed, but to be recognized. Oh, also because when I got good grades, I would have no, like, I would not receive uh, compliments or praise from my parents. But when others, like my uh, friend's parents, would compliment me on good grades, if my mom was around, she would say, oh, you know what? I don't know how she got that. She just eats and sleeps. I don't understand how she got that. It's like, what? This is how you parent me? It's like, I, I try to figure out like, oh, so I won't, you know, boast about myself. I don't get big-headed. I just could not understand. So when, you know, I got noticed, recognized, even without a praise, I would feel so uncomfortable. And usually I would do, I would share myself. I would talk bad about myself. The attitude was that I get to that before you get to me. So that's how I just, I, I carried myself and just put up a facade. So nobody would know that inside I was engulfed in deep shame about myself, about my family and the dynamics, you know, the in uh, invalidation of my thoughts, my feelings, and being parentified to take care of my parents. I kept it secret. And uh, with men, I pretty much lived a double life. I would not tell anyone that I was with unavailable people and all that, pretending that, you know, these are my boyfriends legitimately, blah, blah, blah. So, I lived in Bangkok uh, until I almost turned 30. And I wanted to come to study abroad, uh, which is here in America. I want to go to undergrad in uh, interior architecture. And my parents was happy to support me financially. But back then, at the time, you know, the plan was that they would send me first, uh, the first year, and I and they would send my little sister to, you know, here so we can have like a year overlap when I do my second year. But at the time the economy collapsed in Asia, uh, that was 1960, no, 1996, 
And so I was here. And, you know, the guilt thing that my mom, you know, just kind of already put in me from very young age about like, oh, yeah, you owe me your life, things like that. And um, so when they spend money on me and um, there was none left, it was not enough to send the second child here. The guilt just like ate me alive. Like, you know, I wanted to go back, but they said, finish it, finish it. And so I did. And then long story short, I finished it and I got a job here and I been here ever since because I met a man who became my husband later. So it was unplanned. And so that guilt, like, you know, I had to bury it. Oh, I took too much uh, from my sister and all that. So I started working here and again, like, you know, like, oh yeah, uh, living under the radar, just uh, work, work, work. And just, you know, like pretty much disappeared uh, because um, now that, you know, America uh, was my new home, I almost had to, I actually had to start over from zero because it was unplanned and all that. And anyway, a lot to adjust to. Um, so food has always been, you know, for a long, long time, that uh, coping mechanism familiar to me, uh, relationship, you know, uh, romantic relationships still acting out. And uh, then a man who was in uh, 12-step programs introduced me to uh, the food program because he looked at me and he knew. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, he mentioned God, asked God what to eat and all that. Like, what are you talking about? And eventually he broke up with me on the phone. And uh, I thought, okay, to win him back, I better go to that program. He wanted me to go. And wow, I had no idea what I got myself into. It opened me up to like a whole new world. And uh, I was so enjoying these new things I learned. And I forgot the the intention of being in the program that was like to win this man back. And anyway, I'm beyond grateful for that man. He worked for my higher power. He got me in the doors and that was it. So I started with my food thing and then I learned about ACA. That was the year 2000, 23 years ago. I learned about ACA. I learned about alcoholism like, Wow, back then, no red book, but I don't know what we read, but every word and everything people shared just got me in tears every meeting. So I went to meetings like almost every day in person, right, back then, and uh, I cried. After that, I would just walk out quietly, didn't want to hold hand to say any person, no connection with anybody. About six months later, I was enraged. That rage was so dangerous. I could kill. I could kill my dad. Especially back then, it was the focus was 
on the alcoholism. Wow, my life was effed up because of him. And, uh, you know, with I don't think I have mentioned this. Like, basically, the, the thing, one of the things that my parents taught me was that parents, grandparents, basically, they are untouchable. It's like you cannot talk bad about them, cannot even think bad about them. And the consequence will be like a very bad karma, you know, will get to you. And so the higher power or whatever we called back then is like punishing you if you, you know. So uh, when I had this rage, it's like, wow, I'm so bad. I'm a horrible person who would be angry. How dare you? Like, you know, at that, they raised me, even though it was shitty, you should be grateful, yada, yada, yada. So I ran away. I ran away. Back then, I knew about other programs alike. So I went to those programs, like, you know, I believe I can name them, no harm, right? Like Al-Anon, Coda, and others, like, you know, with money, with what else? Like love addict, <laughs> you know, every program that I heard about. So I don't have to talk about my parents, not even in Al-Anon. I would be talking about my bosses who showed sign of drinking. I would talk about like friends who show like, you know, codependency. Then 10 years later, Fast forward. 15 to minutes, Gaia. 20 minutes, is it? 15. Sorry. 15, thank you. Mm -hmm. So I, um, okay, come back, Gaia. I don't know where I went. Okay, so, uh, so fast sorry. forward. Not a problem. <laughs> thank you. Um, 2010, okay, I, I quit my job. It was so dysfunctional. And then I was asked to go back and eventually um, that was, no, actually 2008, 2009. You know, the economy collapsed again. I don't know what it is with me. You know, economy collapses, you know, just had to affect my life. Then it was unexpected. I was let go. You know, I was in high position, making a lot of money, blah, blah. And I wanted to be self-employed somehow. Just like, okay, this is it. You know, not knowing about how to deal with money, how to ask for what I need, like, you know, in uh, as a compensation. And so I went for interviews, uh, actually, like, Oh, no, I wanted to do that. But, you know, so like, no, not a good idea. So I just like told myself, no, not not that. So I went for to look for jobs and got two interviews. And these people basically like praised me like, oh, my God, look at your resume, blah, blah, blah. But they never called. They never called. They did not even let me know that they already hired somebody else. Three months, you know, uh, went by. And me being ACA, like, oh, no, I don't want to, you know, bother people. And I don't want to talk money to avoid. And eventually I 
you know, mustered my courage up to follow up. They told me, and oh my God, I felt like smaller than even dust. It's like I was nobody. That's how you treated me after you praised me. Then I was feeling suicidal, just let myself go in every way. I let go of my sponsors, like, you know, no meetings, just basically feeling suicidal. And God, God sent somebody, one of my former sponsors, just called me out of the blue and said, where were you? And I told her about this job situation. But for some reason, actually, she was in the money program. For some reason, she said, how about this? How about going back to ACA? Just like that, just like talking about money and work, it's like ACA. She saw it. So I came back to ACA after 10 years. That saved my life. And it's been 13 years. It's the best thing that I ever received as a gift. And basically what I found out was that I had a PTSD when I was feeling suicidal. It was just like my mom situation where I was praised and mom would just shoot me down with shame, abandoning me. But in this situation, it was the same person who praised me and dumped me, abandoning me, rejecting me. And so this time around, you know, I started asking somebody to sponsor me, started working the steps right away. The focus, I mean, of course, I worked on, you know, my dad's alcoholism, but the focus has been more in comparison to my previous step work in other programs. Um, the focus has been on my mom, who's the non-drinker, but her non-doing, basically, she's never protected me from like the drunk, uh, the drunk driving the, uh, you know, silent treatment, the verbal abuse and emotion, emotional abuse and all that. And uh, my child, basically, you know, um, I worked the steps, I worked the, the trade book, and um, uh, I casually am working on the reparenting guidebook. Because the thing is, you know, uh, it's been so long and I felt that I, I, I got it together. I got my system around uh, how I reparent. Basically, I followed the big book. Uh, no, the red book, you know, by developing, basically waking up the loving part in me before reaching. Thank you. Five minutes. I see that before reaching into my inner children. I did try to, you know, go right to my inner children, but nope, I didn't get anything. And once I uh, started to develop, I kind of, you know, like made a commitment, ask my higher power to give me the willingness to be willing because I knew this is, this is it. This is the bottom. This is the foundation of all, quote, symptoms that I have. And so uh, I have got in touch with different uh, parts of my 
children, like, you know, actually from the one in utero, because she was affected by, uh, you know, the food and the stress and all that. And uh, you know, I, uh, the tools I use, like, oh, my God, I mean, I have less than five minutes. Okay, I have stuffed animals. I did not get to play with stuffed animals or dolls when I was a child at all. I got my first one in, let's see, when I was in my 40s already, basically, through ACA. I journal and um, um, I have pictures of, you know, my kids, uh, my little one, my teenager. Let's see. Oh, she's she was always... Uh, looking <laughs> she always looked like that you know angry and uh to have them around and uh as you may have seen um i have my profile picture in my yoda hat <laughs> my yoda that's my yoda gaia she's my loving parent and i have the hat you know sometimes i will wear them like if I feel that my uh, inner children need me, we will have a session. I would say the, you know, things that basically my job is to challenge the critical parents' voice and to listen to my inner children without judgment. Whatever they want to say to me, I make it safe for them and I validate them. I comfort them. I soothe them. I empathize with them for what they had to go through. And so, you know, I would say a word like, okay, their favorite word has been, oh, just like that. If I say, oh, sometimes I would say, that can't feel good. I would, I try to ask like, you want to tell me? How are you feeling right now? Sometimes I would got a resist. I would get the resistance. So I was like, "Oh, how how can I ask? You know, if I just like, I can hear you. Oh, that can't feel good." And I would hear, "Of course not. It felt terrible. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I'm here. You want just two minutes? Thank you. I saw that. You want to say more? Like they would trust me." And, you know, I wanted to uh, touch on the steps. I love Tony A's steps, basically reparenting. He talks about unconditional love, right? Basically, reparenting is to undo things. The love my parents gave me was so conditioned. So basically, I learned to unconditional, uncondition my love for my inner children. I learned to reparent, give what I needed but didn't get back then. And um, it's been so wonderful. The promises been, you know, true. And um, what else? Um, oh, my God. I mean, I thought I would not be able to fill up 45 minutes. Now it's like, can I have 45 more? <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's been so wonderful. I cannot do it without you because these, you know, to heal from childhood trauma, our trauma needs to be witnessed. Therefore, doing it alone would not work. And uh, if I may, I'm sorry for going over.
But I would like to close with this message. It's from the Red Book by Claudia B. So I'll read it. Listen to your inner child, not with fear, but with openness. Love this child for all she or he has had to defend against. Know that feelings are to be listened to. They are cues and signals that indicate where you are and what you need. Mistakes are a sign of growing. Remember, be gentle with yourself. Success is not relative to others. It is feeling, it is a feeling of love and accomplishment for yourself. Recovery is accepting yourself for who you are, no longer waiting for others to define you or approve of you. It is safe to take time to play today. Play fuels your creativity, tickles your inner child, and nurtures your soul. May you respond with the vulnerability of your child, but with the strength of your adult. Surround yourself with people who respect and treat you well. In faith, one finds the strength to survive times of great fear and sadness. With that, I thank you so much for allowing me to be of service and for witnessing my healing. Thank you so much.